0: support for the game podcast is brought to you by starcitygames.com the world's largest independent retailer for magic the gathering singles and supplies and home for the best strategy content on the web if you would like to support the game podcast feel free to check out our patreon page at patreon.com slash the g a m podcast Welcome to the 71st episode of The Game Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian Weathered Wayfarer Golly, Is this this because of the upcoming move, buddy?
1: Yeah, man. I'm I'm picking up. I'm traveling across the country. Thankfully, not by foot, which is what the word wayfarer typically is denoting. But I am doing some traveling. I'm going to be moving all the way to Seattle, complete opposite side.
0: Hell yeah. Dude, I'm excited. I don't know if you are or not, but like, I I hope your wife is excited too. We're
1: we're both really excited. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, We were just in Seattle last week. I I love the area. A lot of great ancillary activities with still having all the city stuff. You know, I'm a big snowboarder. I like hiking. All that stuff is still present in Seattle, which is kind of, when I lived in New York City, that was the part I really missed about not being in the country anymore. So it seems like Seattle is a sweet balance of all those things. Love it.
0: Well, uh, I I know I missed you when you were out here and i'm I'm very sorry about that but we're gonna remedy that we're gonna fix it
1: we are we'll do some kind of like cool game content at some point maybe uh, th- really a lot of doors are open with us being in the same location so who knows where that goes we could just do hello vlogs yeah there's a lot of stuff that could be done i think uh, i think it'll be good times for fans of the game podcast we'll be able to do a lot of cool things for you
0: Awesome. Okay. So another awesome thing. Dominarius out on Magic Online. And if y'all haven't been playing, I don't know what the hell you've been doing. Maybe like Brian, you have like a big move coming up or something. You've been busy, but I've been playing hella. So do you want to give us your quick early report? It's like a, a
1: five second. This is where things are at. Everything's really good. That's it. That's all you get to say.
0: Uh, Mono Red sucks. Okay. I know that that might be like Uh, a hot take, I guess, is what the kids call it these days, but Chain Whirler is very, very good. The, The issue is that cards like Lyra Dawnbringer and Steel Leaf Paladin are very tough to kill, and they just beat you straight up.
1: That's what things look like to me. I agree that Chain Whirler is an amazing card, and there's a lot of good decks that would be out of control, if not for the presence of Chain Whirler. So it wouldn't surprise me if Chain Whirler finds another home, which is a weird thing to say about a triple red card, but I think the card is good enough to merit play, but it's got to find a new base because you're exactly right. There's a lot of new cards that Red is just not equipped to deal with at this stage or the way Red decks are built right now are not equipped to deal with these threats. So maybe Red has to start looking to some other cards to answer these problems. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where things go, but Chain Whirler has to remain part of the metagame because there's a lot of really good X1s around.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, so that was my, my first big revelation The other thing that I tried along with Mono Red was like, oh, well, maybe I can do that, like, Path to Metal nonsense that people were trying when that card came out. Right. Because the mana's better now. You have Clifftop Retreat, right? And Chain Whirler is First Strike, so it also interacts well with Path to Metal, and then you have Path and Chain Whirler to go with Soulscar Mage to, like, put counters on their things, you know? Mm -hmm. And the mana was still not good. I basically never transformed a Path of Metal... And it kind of pigeonholes your deck into being, like, this very low-to-the-ground aggressive thing, which Red doesn't really want to be. And then it's just, like, a lot of cards if you want to, like, sideboard out all of that stuff. But the theory was that, like, oh, you get, like, Seal away in the sideboard, which could be good for mirror matches and posing Lyra's and stuff. But, like, it's it's not good against Lyra. Like, if they're playing, like, blue-white control or something, you just let them untap with a counterspell, you know? It's just, like, it's pretty bad.
1: Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think that's the best answer, but there's there's got to be something out there if Red's going to continue to be part of the metagame. As far as Path of Metal, I've never really been a believer in that card. It just requires too much deck investment. It, it takes up too much real estate, like you were saying, complicates post-board plans where Red was previously you know, doing the best job of transforming in the entire format. They had yes. the best transformational plans. And if you gum things up with cards like Metal, it, it it's not really doing what your Red deck is supposed to be doing.
0: Yep. So, one big thing I noticed was that, like, white in general got a bunch of huge upgrades. Doesn't matter, like, what side you're on. If you're on the tokensy side of things, you have things like Dauntless Bodyguard, Benalish Marshall, History of Benalia. You have Lyra Dawnbringer for your sideboard or even main deck in some cases, as, like, this post-board trump to Chain Whirler and just, like, red decks in general. And, like, blue-white control, either Approach or Torrential Gearhulk, is very, very good. And... Red, black is still good. That was that was kind of my other takeaway. It was like, oh, well, of all these decks that I've tried so far, of all these brews, like, I feel like I want my deck to be doing these sorts of things, and I think that red, black type of things are actually quite good. Have you
1: been playing Karn in your red, black deck?
0: I started with Karn, and Karn was pretty good, actually, especially in the, like, the post board transformations where you have, like, right. all the doomfalls and stuff. Yep. Like, Karn, Karn is just, like, this massive, very tough-to-kill card-drawing engine, basically, and... I started with it in addition to the Chandra's and I just cut all the Hazrettes and the Phoenixes because I was like, "Eh, I was like never like super impressed with those cards. But I really missed having a, a card like Rekindling Phoenix that can just can accomplish a bunch of different things. So like if they don't have a removal spell, you can just block with it, which is great. If you're slightly behind, you can play it, maybe use it defensively and like it it's going to stick around like if your opponent if you play phoenix and your opponent can attack you for 6 or whatever then your karn doesn't immediately die right like you still have this thing in play that you can use to like kind of come back so mm-hmm. having my four drops be all planeswalkers was kind of an issue okay so
1: is it an issue that you think merits solving or is it just karn isn't the right fit for this particular deck and you know it's it's home is going to prove to be elsewhere
0: i don't know so one of my thoughts was Karn is likely very good in a deck that is also not uh, very glutted on four drops. Mm -hmm. And the other options I kind of thought of were like heavy white or heavy black, but obviously like cast out Vraska's Contempt are also four mana cards. So there is some competition there, but I think that seal away and cast down kind of uh, alleviate some of the necessity on those four mana removal spells. So I'm very interested in trying Karn in those sorts of shells. And Karn has popped up a little bit in like White Vehicles decks. And I'm also interested in trying Karn in a deck with a lot of artifacts like Foundry Inspector, Scrap Trawler type of stuff just to see how big you can make the constructs.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mention that I think the need for those four mana removal spells is trending down somewhat. Um, If you look at early deck dumps. A lot of little creatures here, a lot of little creatures and tokens and things you don't necessarily want to spend four mana on answering anymore. It's not all about Scarab Gods anymore, not all about Hazarettes. Uh A lot of different threats are, are creeping their way into the metagame. And I think you're exactly right that the new removal spells might be exactly what an aggressive white black Karn deck are looking for.
0: Yeah. So that's about it. I, I kind of ended on playing with red black and then I started messing around with like white blue mid range. What else I, I definitely want to find like some white decks that I like. Uh, I did play like basically mono white tokens in one of the first leagues I played in went four one very easily. And then I played one with blue red gift with Skirk prospector and uh, just to get like a feel for the deck and like they got another dual land and stuff. So the, the deck was fine. I think I went three and two, but like my losses, I felt pretty unlucky, I guess. So I think, I think blue red is still a deck.
1: I would agree with that assessment. I think the deck remains strong. Do we want to get into the main the main meat and potatoes of our show this week? So we're trying something a little new. And uh, I think it's time pressuring us to some extent. So maybe we should get right into it.
0: Yeah. So uh, go ahead and, and uh, throw out the premise.
1: Right. So we wanted to address all these sweet new cards, sweet new decks that are showing up from Dominaria. And we thought maybe the best way to do it is to just jam through the entire first deck dump. We want to briefly touch on every single deck that showed up in the initial deck dump. There's 39 of them, I believe. So we're going to try and be brief. If you've listened to the game podcast for a while, you know that Jerry and I both can uh, not really be the best at brevity sometimes. We're going to try really hard, though, to get through all of this. We're looking at the April 23rd standard constructed league results. So I recommend that if you have a computer in front of you or you're listening on your phone, pull up these deck lists, follow along with us. We'll try and orient you to exactly what we're talking about. But I think seeing the full list will be helpful for the discussion as well.
0: Word. So first deck list is by Tomb Simon, who is Simon Nielsen. And he's he's a little bit of a brewer and doesn't really disappoint here. He's playing 17 basic islands, a bunch of blue one drops, some (laughs) throne of the God Pharaohs, Sky Skiffs and Aether Sphere Harvesters. The
1: the card decisions here are crazy. I, I'm not bad mouthing this deck because I think it's probably good at what he's trying to do, which is a really weird game plan. But there's so many routes this could take. This could be a favorable wins deck, and he chooses to go Throne of the God Pharaoh instead, just because of like Slitherblade, Miscloak Herald, a, a couple non-flying creatures here. So I guess he thought Throne of the God Pharaoh was a little bit cleaner in getting the boost, although Obviously you can't play it in multiples. Like you could do something like favorable wins, but this is a deck I experimented with a, a while ago. I think the mono blue tempo archetype could be fine. It's strange that this can't make room for the new Djinn, you know, in a deck playing so many islands, but I get it. The curve has to stay super, super low, but I would want to try that card here. Give it some run. I don't know if Simon did before arriving at this list. Interesting take doubtful. This is a long-term player in the metagame, but a cool, you know, week one foray.
0: Yeah, Curious Obsession also shows up in the list, which I think is really good. But also worth noting, this this list is like really bad against Chain Whirler.
1: Right, super soft. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Chain Whirler, and you can maybe at some point you'll be able to get away with, you know, just not respecting the card at all. But uh, I don't know if I want to do that quite yet. And again, you know, talking about favorable wins, maybe that's another push to exploring that card. You protect a couple of these flying creatures, but you still have the problem of Slither Blades and... Uh, what is it? The Miss Cloak Herald just sitting there waiting to be picked off by Chain Whirl, and there's nothing you can do about that. So Sl-
0: Slitherblade's actually a one-two. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's Siren Stormtamer, Miss Cloak Herald, Hope of Gearipor that all die to it. And Good like, for you, Slitherblade. Good for you picking right. up that
1: second point of toughness.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but
1: anyway, in, in the interest of brevity, I think I've said all I want to say about this. Probably Same. not a
0: tier one list, but cool take. Agreed. Uh, Next list is a red black aggro deck, similar to the one that I played in Seattle, but this is more along the lines of like the traditional Magic Online stuff where they have a couple Aether Hubs, a couple Heart of Kirin's, and this one actually plays some Dunned Operatives main deck. I consider that card
1: a bunch of times in Mardu vehicles just because you want the three power guy to crew, you know, Heart. It's weird that he has three Dunned Operatives and only two Heart. That's always been my. Uh, impetus for including Dunned Operative in my list. I was like, well, got to have enough guys to crew heart, but he's only playing two hearts here. So maybe he just thinks the card lines up pretty well. I mean, there are some big ground creatures, things like Steel Leaf Champion, seem playing some numbers. So I could see the Death Touch body being good, but this is not the angle I would take this deck at this time. I, I, like I said, I want to find ways to maximize Karn. I think that's where these decks are going to be best. Word.
0: So it's worth noting that he's down to four, four drops. And the Chandra's are all in the sideboard, no Karns anywhere, and Shaved a Walking Ballista. So it just looks like with there, there's basically like four additional two drops in the deck. So it looks like they're just trying to be a little more aggressive.
1: Yep, a little leaner.
0: Yep. Uh, sideboard Bloodfast, though. Hell yeah. Good pickup. Yeah, definitely. So next list is pretty normal new perspectives with the only Dominaria card being a Singleton to Fairy in the sideboard. Yeah, that's a weird inclusion. I mean, I, I don't know how many
1: games you're really just going to like Roger Teferi to victory. I think it's an extremely good card. And I think people are starting to come around on Teferi at this point and, and seeing what it can do in this metagame. I don't know that it really brings anything new to the table here for the new perspectives archetype.
0: Agreed. And also that deck seems kind of bad. I Mostly. think it's always been,
1: it just needs to get the right matchups. And when you don't, it's so miserable to play. It's, ju- it's just like a complete, well, I hope I get paired against the right decks. And that's the extent of your influence over the game. So it's not something I'm looking to pick up. I'll keep it in mind if I ever see the format, like get to the exact point where this strategy ex- is exploiting what everyone else is trying to do. But week one, it seems like a crazy choice.
0: Yep. Uh, next deck is effectively mono white tokens, light black splash for Scrap Heap Scrounger and some sideboard stuff. But the real notable thing here is eight vehicles in Heart of Kirin and Aether Sphere Harvester.
1: I like this deck a lot.
0: And Karn. And and Karn. Three copies of Karn.
1: That has a lot to do with why I like it. But this seems like a very efficient, very clean home for Karn. Your tokens that you're producing with Karn are typically going to be huge with this deck with uh, Saram's Expertise and Servo Expertise exhibition. Obviously, Chain Whirler vulnerabilities, but you have four of Benelish Marshall. And this card's everywhere, by the way. There's so many white-based decks, all with the focus of Benelish Marshall. I will say that this is the first big miss for me. This card needed to be somewhere in my top 10. It was a complete mistake not to have it there because it's single-handedly rejuvenated these white strategies. And I think they're just the level one decks as far as the, you know, cleanest, most aggressive, problematic deck you could present to someone who's unprepared it's white beat down at this point
0: literally the first deck i registered a league with was mono white so yeah. <laughs> you are correct it is it is level zero or level one depending on where you want to start mm-hmm. so yeah these these decks look really good i agree that there's a vulnerability to chain whirler but it's just one of those things where it's like okay well i have a bunch of vehicles or karns or whatever and maybe you can strams expertise into the marshall and maybe that'll trip them up or maybe you just won't play against them. You know, like you got to kind of take that chance. You can't just be like, oh, Chain Whirlers in the format. I guess I can't do this.
1: Right. And the fact that these decks don't like cold scoop your Chain Whirler is some points as well. You can't have the fear, right?
0: Right. So next deck list is blue, white, kind of like eternalized thing, but uh, some updates in history of Benalia and a Teferi. So now kind of more of like a tokens theme just in general.
1: Right. And again, another white card, which is enabling uh, a lot of these archetypes in history of Benalia, your number one card in the set. And I think it has lived up to that billing. Absolutely. Very impactful out the gates here. I don't know if it's enough to kind of push this deck up into tier one. I think this deck was pretty good at exploiting the mono red decks, which we already talked about, maybe trending downwards. But, you know, again, if the time is right, this deck could certainly pop up and and do some stuff. But I have a hard time believing that this is going to be the best version of this style of deck.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree, too. I mean, it's it's just so weird. Like, if you want to do, like, blue-white grindy things, why do you turn to, like, Sacred Cat Vizier of the Anointed?
1: Right. There's much more powerful cards you could be doing these same type of things with.
0: Yeah. So, I don't get it. Next deck is... Esper control, but it's basically blue white control with two contempts, three fatal push, and one scarab god.
1: I just have to ask why. I mean, I, I think those things that you're adding here, you you have other ways to address any issue those cards are are stepping up against. You know, if there's an argument for it, it's in the sideboard. The Argo's blood fast and duress. I get it. I understand why you want to have access to those cards. As far as main deck compositions, I I don't think you really need to have access to Vraska's Contempt in the main deck anymore. And the Scarab God is trending down really hard right now. There's not a ton of Scarab Gods floating around this deck dump, and I think rightfully so. It's too slow. Yeah.
0: Just straight up. Yeah, this deck has access to four copies of Seal Away, and you have Cast Out, Ixalan's Binding. I don't know why you need Contempt. I don't know why you need Fatal Push. The, The deck also has four copies of Settle the Wreckage. So like, you're leaning on Settle the Wreckage to clean up a lot of the little stuff, which I think is reasonable. I mean, like you can also play Fumigate, which I think is completely fine. And Yeah, I think Fumigate's actually really strong right now. Yeah, I just don't understand why you'd want 12 black sources in your deck for these six cards when these six cards don't even solve any problems necessarily.
1: No, this just might be like a Shaheen Sarani situation where this is one of those people who just loves Esper and makes their deck Esper, whether it's warranted or not.
0: Which makes me want to check out Shaheen's last article. I don't know what it was.
1: (laughs) This might just be his deck. It's quite possible.
0: It is possible. Next list is another Esper deck, another blue-white deck, splashing some black cards when they probably don't have to. Uh, This one is Siphoner, Champion of Wits, three Wrath Compassion, Ship's Mage, two Scarab God, two Lyra, Seal away history of Benalia, some removal spells, so like kind of blue black mid range ish, but has like seal away history of Benalia, Lyra, so it just seems more of like a blue white deck at this point. So, are you a believer in Raf Capuchin? Because this is
1: not the only time he's going to show up in these deck lists, and I had really not considered this card for constructed play,
0: right? I did taking a swipe on Star City. And this was one of the cards, and I I basically just like lambasted Cedric for like even putting that in one of the options. I was just like, why would I ever want to play this card? It just doesn't make any sense. And Ben Friedman, who was like the other person on that column, compared it to Restoration Angel, and he was just like, yeah, this isn't as good as Restoration Angel. Like I don't get it. Like this card is bad. But yeah, it seems like people are loving this.
1: Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of room to be worse than Restoration Angel and still playable and Standard for sure. What are you What are you doing here, though? Is it just like bringing in Lyra Dawnbringer at the end of turn is big enough? You know, basically they can never attack again into a Raf capuchin because there's too much threat. Are you using it to play History of Benalia at awkward times? I, I guess I just don't entirely get the payoff. I don't. I don't know. I mean, you can play instant speed planeswalkers for what that's worth. Not a whole lot. I don't think it, it's hard for me to see this card being powerful enough for inclusion. But maybe it's one of those things where I just have to play with it and I'll go, oh, wait a second. This opens up all kinds of strategic possibilities. Uh, I don't see it on its face though.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's kind of good with like Glimmer and Syncopate or whatever, but like not really, you know? And Lyra is showing up in a bunch of places. Like Lyra is definitely a card that should have been on our top 10. Yeah, we blew it. We just assume that like, oh, there it's like the Vraska's contempt problem, right? Like she's mm-hmm. she's not gonna accomplish a whole lot. And maybe, maybe that'll come around and people will eventually figure out ways to kill this card. But she has been crushing people, including me when I was playing Monterey a lot. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know, man. It it just strikes me as weird because normally those decks would just like tap out for a five drop and like that's how they won the game. And it doesn't seem like you need to give them flash to make that possible. So I don't know.
1: I'm with you. Uh, as far as Lyra, I think we, I, I think we evaluated Lyra against the entirety of the format, which is kind of a flawed way of thinking about her because she's so dominant in matchups that she's good in that she earns her spot in that fashion. Even though on like on context with the rest of the format, she may not line up all that well. Swinging a matchup just by having this card in your deck by you know who knows how many points Lyra swings the mono red matchup by. Um, But it's significant just by including the card. And that's really where we missed the boat, I
0: think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was already playing like red black with disintegration too. And like, I I think that the the format will self correct. Correct. And then Lyra will not be a main deck card anymore. But I'm not sure what that does to that card after that. Mm -hmm. All right. Next deck 18 planes, four Sheffield Dunes, and a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, we don't have to go too deep into this one. Although this is the lone appearance of Tashar in this entire deck dump. I will say that. A little disappointing. I thought Tashar could do more, but yeah, more more mono white beat down, totally fine. Uh, this deck remains a viable option in early weeks of the format.
0: Yep. I, I believe that Tashar did show up in the modern deck dump. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, I, I didn't search the full modern deck dump. So if that's true, I'm very happy to hear that. I think it did. I think it did, but
0: we'll, we'll figure that out later. Next deck is... A little more cutesy. Yeah, 13 planes. 4 Chef at Dunes, 2 Memorial to Glory, which I like, 2 Field of Ruin, 1 Scavenger Grounds. Basically the same stuff. I mean, this deck has like Kinjali Sunwing, Cartouche of Solidarity, Oketro, which I think is a completely fine card. I am curious why people would ever really play Field of Ruin over Scavenger Grounds when uh, the Blue-Red God Pharaoh's Gift deck just kind of crushed it. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm super worried about that deck now. Uh, And I think rightfully so.
1: If you just think about like the way a white beatdown deck like this is going to swing the game, it's really about fading that critical turn and then you're going to run away with it. You don't need to worry about dealing with their, you know, flipped search for Azcanta. If they flip their search to Azcanta, you probably honestly already lost the game anyway and Field of Ruining isn't going to bring you back into the mix. You're right. I'd rather play something more proactive like Scavenger Grounds.
0: Yep. Uh, So I lied. Tishar did not show up. It was one copy of Shalai.
1: What a letdown. Tashar will make it in. Tashar is going to have her. Is it her or he? I'm not actually sure. Either way, the card will have its day in the sun. I don't know. It's a bird. Yeah. Tough to identify the sex of these fictional birds, I have to say.
0: Yeah, that is tough.
1: (laughs) A real real Uh, problem we have here on the Game Podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, next list is green, red dinosaurs, no new cards. Nothing
1: flashy, same deck as before. Still a lot of big, fat creatures, powerful spells. I I don't know. I, I didn't think this deck was great before. It's probably not great now.
0: Yeah, uh, Regisaur Alpha into Galta is kind of the dream, but even, even that dream is not particularly good. Nope. Well, a new, no new cards is kind of strange, but whatever. I don't know what would even go in this deck.
1: Yeah, you'd have to warp your mana base pretty aggressively oh, to get any of the uh, the big guys. Oh, War yeah, this should definitely have Llanowar Elves, 100%. No question. Yeah,
0: it doesn't make any sense. All right, well, let's just move on. Agreed. Maybe maybe they joined the league before Dominaria came in and they just finished it.
1: No, no, it kicks you. It,
0: it, it, oh,
1: man, okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd agree with you. That's the most likely explanation.
0: All right, uh, next list is pretty normal Sultai Constrictor couple copies of Woodland Cemetery. Is that it?
1: That's it. That's all I see. Yep. Cool. Yeah, deck's still powerful. Um, I think there's better ways to do this going forward, though. Ooh, like what? I think that these decks can pretty safely play Adventurous Impulse. I think it's good in the deck. I also like, and this pains me to say this, I like more copies of Ravenous Chupacabra. Ooh. That card is probably a little bit better right now. That hasn't been true for a lot of Chupacabra's time and standard, but it does seem to be kind of. Th- I mean, this is the point: Lyra is being played, right? This is what Ravenous Chupacabra is here for. It's supposed to keep cards like that down. So do your job. Things like Steel Leaf Champion, right? All these cards that are just stats—that's yep. when Ravenous Chupacabra is supposed to show up. So, you know, a couple small changes I, c- I would make to the list.
0: Cool. Uh, next list is Captain Sea Dog, and I gotta I gotta say the name because the name is dope, and the deck is dope. This is yeah. a lot of new cards. Green, black, saprolings.
1: I, c- I couldn't even make an offer to you as to whether this deck is great, terrible, somewhere in between. I have no idea. It surprised me that it was not playing Song of allies. It seems like a natural fit here. There's a lot of mana sinks in something like Slimefoot. There's like your kicked saproling migrations. Really a a a way to go very big with Song. So... I don't know. Maybe he tried it. It wasn't as good as I think it is or it's just not something he's explored yet. But if phallids are good and standard, we're in a very good place. So.
0: Yeah, that's rad. So one fungal plots in the sideboard, no copies of Torgar, which I think is probably pretty good. And yeah, the lack of song is kind of weird, but I don't I don't think there is many like mana sinks as you think there are. Like slime footing is not particularly powerful, I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's a high rate, right? Like four
1: mana for a one one isn't the best thing you could possibly be doing. I guess it's just like you go so wide, you're going to get so much mana for it. You can always alter your deck to to benefit more from the mana. And let's not forget the quasi overrun effect that's stapled on. I mean, when you're when you're super wide already, that's a very powerful effect as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I want to play Radiant Destiny.
1: Along like- with your along with your thalads.
0: Yeah, but there's, like, all these things are, like, funguses and dryads, right. except for the tokens. It's right. very sad.
1: And that's why Spore Crown Thalad is a very weird lord, in that it gives each fungus and saprolene plus one, plus one. Radiant Destiny just isn't going to get the job done there.
0: Yeah, that's too bad. It doesn't even pump your tender shoot Dryad. Right. Next deck is Taco Farmer, Mono Red, Kind of Goblin-y, God Pharaoh's Gift, Rowdy Crew as a yeah. four-of, two Hazrettes main, three Siege Gang Commander, Forskirk Prospector, and pretty normal stuff.
1: I I think this deck is probably very explosive when it draws well, to the extent that you're like, whoa, I don't need blue anymore. The problem is when it doesn't draw well, it looks a little mopey. You really need your cards to come out in the right order. You're missing a lot of the redundancy that you usually get from the God Pharaoh's Gift list. So I don't know that I'm a buyer in this strategy. I don't see a lot that does better than the red-blue God Pharaoh's Gifts list. But Rowdy Crew seems kind of cool. I, I don't know if I want to go as hard as, you know, playing four copies, but interesting inclusion and, and one that kind of makes sense in the archetype if you think about it.
0: Yeah, I think this deck is a worse God Pharaoh's Gift deck, but it is a better beatdown deck.
1: Okay, I could see that. So, like,
0: You just kind of switch your plan A and plan B. Hmm.
1: No, that's an interesting take.
0: I guess you'd have to
1: consider carefully the metagame that you're playing into and think about, you know, which is the better plan A in this spot. If people are really hard on a braids, then you can look towards this style and maybe you'll benefit from that.
0: And, and check it out, right? So this deck has four Goblin Chain Whirlers and is probably okay against a lot of the stuff that Mono Red was struggling against. mm. So this is a different take on Mono Red that also has like this plan where you get to go way over the top of people. So that right. could also be good.
1: Right, a backup combo plan. Yeah, pretty cool. I don't know that this is going to be a huge player going forward though. Like I said, I think you'll have to identify a very specialized metagame where Blue Red is wearing the target. I like this as kind of a, a bait and switch.
0: And uh, there's there's kind of a hybrid option where uh, I played against a person who was doing like goblin-based god pharaoh's gift things but they had the blue red dual lands and i didn't see what for i assume it's either for trophy mage or for champion of wits Mm -hmm. but they also had wily goblin oh okay i kind of like wily goblin yeah that's that's another way to do things if you know you're not happy with the mono red and you're not happy with the blue red like there is a kind of in between where i think i i'm just gonna say that the eight dual lands are free you do know, you, do you like how I f-
1: feel about that word free? I I started twitching in my right eye as soon as you said that. <laughs> um, they're not free, but they are low cost, and you know I could see the benefit of having access to either Treasure Mage or Champion to get some more consistency into these type of builds.
0: Word. Okay. Next deck is from Nathan Stewart. White cards. Yep. White cards. Light black splash for two scrap heaps and. Yeah, no sideboard cards, just the four courtyards for two scrap heaps. Adanto Vanguard, Pride of Conquerors, which is a card that wasn't in a lot of the other lists, but
1: mm-hmm. I like this deck. A lot of ways to build this deck right now. It'll be interesting to see what ultimately becomes the de facto build.
0: Yeah. Uh, next list is Mardu-Doo. Mardu vehicles with two cards.
1: Mardu freaking vehicles. Um, I, w- I want this deck to be good. I think that the better version of these Karn vehicles decks are going to be two colored, just stretching this far. I mean, playing things like Toolcraft Exemplar and Veteran Motorist when Chain Whirler is a card. Again, we talked about not having the fear, but I have it here. I, I don't want I don't want that many uh X1s in my deck. You know, add that to your Bowmat Couriers and your PNLR tokens, and a lot of stuff is getting picked off by Chain Whirler. And I just think you can do more with two colors. I I think like I'd rather be playing Inventor's Apprentice over something like Toolcraft, for example, or even given the choice. So I, I don't know, I, not what I'm looking to do right now.
0: I mean, there are four Heart of Kirins, and how good that card is is up for debate, certainly. Mm-hmm. But and I, I do agree with you. You know, I, I do think that just making your deck entirely X ones is likely incorrect. I mean, like you, you just don't have to do that. Like there's there's one thing where it's like, oh, don't be afraid, and then another thing is like, don't walk into it on purpose. Right, right. So, I think Marty just kind of walks into it on purpose, and there's really no need for it. Uh, More Lyra's in the sideboard here also.
1: Yeah, I think Lyra is going to be in the sideboard of most white decks at this point.
0: Yeah, next deck is white-black kind of knights, kind of soldiers with Radiant Destinies, four Banalish Marshall with 16 white sources, which is incredibly low.
1: Yeah, this is a little sketchy. I will say that this is the first time that I realized that Legion Lieutenant and Old Swarm Vampire were both knights, and that was kind of like, whoa. But despite that, I i think that your white decks absolutely should be playing Benelish Marshall, and you're kind of playing with fire, with your inclusion of four if near dead lands and uh two swamps here. And you're
0: the isolated chapels are pretty bad. Uh, yeah. You could do things like unclaimed territory. Uh, that was a thing that one of my opponents played against me. And instead of doing the vampire stuff, you can just have the various, like, Knight of Malice, Knight of whatever.
1: Right. So it's hard to say how much better you really get by the inclusion of the vampire sub theme. I, I think the answer is probably not all that much. Although, cool spot. I definitely didn't realize that Old Sworn Vampire was a knight. You know, he's trying to maximize his history of Benelius, which I think is a, a fine exploratory point for these early days of the format.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. I just don't think that Legion Lieutenant and Sworn Vampire are better than the First Strike Knights, especially since they're basically going to be three twos in this list always. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Uh, next deck is by one of the trophy leaders, Oaf McNamara, playing blue white control. And this has kind of become the standard. I think uh, a lot of people have copied uh, his deck list at this point. This deck
1: looks sweet. I I I want this to be good very badly. Like right down to the three blink of an eyes. Yeah. If if this is one of the better decks in standard, I will be so happy. This is right up my right up my alley and I love the inclusion of Teferi. I think this is the blue white card that is pushing this deck into the next tier. Uh four sealaways definitely right correct number to be playing at this point. This deck just does everything I love in magic. It's countering spells, it's killing all your creatures. I guess it's a bit light on the counter magic side of things.
0: Yes, only for disallows and a commit.
1: Right. I would have to think a little bit more about how I feel about that. But we're talking about, you know, one-for-one removal isn't good anymore. And disallow kind of falls into that same camp where... And cards like Negate and Essence Scatter, just, just trading your card for their card. Um, usually at a mana deficit where there's a lot of very powerful ones and twos around um not good you know those are the cards you want to be jamming into the scarab god format where everyone's jamming fours and fives and glory bringers and scarab gods then you're more than happy to play those cards but i think the move away at this stage and and playing more of a sweeper based control deck and fumigate and settle the wreckage seems really good to me
0: yeah and teferi has looked very good not only with seal away but also disallow and settle the wreckage yeah Yep,
1: it adds a lot of strategic options to your gameplay.
0: Yeah, and again, sideboard Lyra's, boom. Yep. Uh, Next deck is Oliver Hart, who is Andrew Jessup, playing Blue White God Pharaoh's Gift, one to Fairy Main, one in the board, otherwise pretty normal stuff. Kind of surprised not to see any Lyra's here, because red is traditionally a pretty bad matchup, and I feel like that card just kind of fixes things for you. I think you're right. Maybe he's relying on other people to eliminate the red decks for him, but
1: I would go even harder on Teferi for post-board games. I, I love having access to like three or maybe even four in post-board games and agree that I would go Lyra over something like maybe Authority of the Consoles. I just don't think that card is super necessary at this point, and I'd rather have the the complete game closer.
0: When I was playing Modern Red, I will say that people just instinctively brought in Authority against me, and... It's just one of those things where, like, red decks have basically always transformed, so I'm just kind of skeptical about that card being very good anyway, you know? It's like, I'm going to have, like, four Chandra's against you, and your Authority is not going to beat my Chandra, right? And I'm probably siding out, like, my Soulscar Mage or whatever. A lot mm. of people don't even have on Crasher anymore, they just have Chain Whirler instead, so I am... I don't know. I, I just don't think that authority is worth the sideboard slots.
1: It's great against game one red decks. Unfortunately, you never get to play against the game one red decks with authority of the consoles. So,
0: Right. Next deck is really sweet, actually. This is uh, a green-white Wild Growth Walker deck, but not with rights of Flourishing or whatever the card is. This deck has Branch Walker, Jade Light Ranger, and then it has an Angel package of Lyra, Angel of Sanction, Shalai. And then uh, there's yeah, just like bindings, a Johnny Unyielding, Aether Sphere Harvester, and a bunch of land.
1: A lot of big, expensive cards here. You know, we're going pretty high up the mana curve. We're lacking Lanawar Elves. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, seems like something that this deck may be interested in. But I will say that Wild Growth Walker is a surprisingly good Magic card. I've included it in a few of my lists. If if you have if your deck list already starts with four Merfolk Branch Walker, four Jade Light Ranger, Wild Growth Walker is a great inclusion. It's much more powerful than it seems on its face. It grows out of control very quickly. So I, I like that package here. I think your red matchup is killer. You're never losing to that deck. As far as other matchups, I don't know. I hate playing like mopey green-white things into control decks and you know, there's a Planeswalker package here, which is mitigating some of that, but a lot of these cards look very silly into things like uh, Fumigate or Settle the Wreckage, you know, Teferi getting the Sealaways. It, it just doesn't line up all that well, so I don't know. You're not selling me on this deck, but I like some of the things going on with it.
0: It is cool, assuming you just assume that things like Control and God Pharaoh's Gift are not in the format. Right, right. But awkwardly enough, they are. They so are. And they're pretty good, I think, too. Yeah, I, I think you can take some of what this deck is doing and utilize it in different spaces, but this list itself is likely not that not good. Correct.
1: Correct, I'm with you. All
0: right. Next list, uh-oh, we have we have a combo deck. 17 islands, one inventor's fair, paradoxical outcome, inspiring statuary, mox amber, bunch of nonsense.
1: I'm uh, not a buyer in this deck. <laughs> I mean, like they show you a negate and you just fold. You're like, well, good enough, pack it up. I don't know. I, I I would love this deck to be good, and this is a concept I messed around with a lot when these cards kind of first came into the scene. The inspiring statuary, either flux reservoir or paradoxal outcome package, is one that I've tried to really make work. I've had no success thus far. You know, I don't think this deck is going to see much success beyond this this five zero here. I mean, paradoxal outcome is a vintage playable card. Obviously, there's a lot of other things going on there that make it so, but it does seem like it should be able to find a home. Uh, at least in a somewhat successful deck in standard, hasn't thus far though, and I, I don't think this is really changing anything.
0: I like how this person's sideboard has like one efficient construction, one Antiquities War. They're like, okay, I don't know how I'm supposed to beat control decks, but like, let's <laughs> just try, just try, try, try stuff. everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like one it. negate, ahead, one
0: yeah. spell swindle, two rebuke. Like, yeah, whatever.
1: I don't, I don't hate the Antiquities War plan post board. That's kind of a nice wrinkle. I mean, you still have to resolve your Antiquities War, which is. You know, we talked about them cutting down on counter spells, but in post board games, every blue deck's going to have access to negate as well, even if their initial well, drafts don't have a lot of counter magic.
0: They also just have like cast out and stuff, you yeah. know?
1: Yeah, th- this is this deck's soft to a lot of different cards. That's the problem.
0: It's rough out there. All right, next list Grixis, Improvise Ish, Herald of Anguish, Maverick Thopterus, two Zahid, two Antiquities War, two Tesserets, three Karn. I mean, I'm giving this deck a lot of points
1: for creativity. The 21 land deck with, you know, counting seven four drops right now. Renegade map. uh, That's just not enough, man. Like, I think the mana count for this deck has to be higher. That's that's the starting point for me if you're going to get me on board. As far as analyzing just the core game plan of the deck, it's hard for me to really identify what this is. Like, what is this exploiting? What's it positioned well against? It's not particularly fast. It's not particularly resilient. It's cards are individually powerful. And that's just seems to be what it's banking on really hard. I don't know though. Not sold yet, but cool concept.
0: Uh, I will say that I agree with you. My, my quad renegade map Karn decks have generally had 22 or 23 land. So I agree that they are light, but they're not as light as it looks like. Okay. Right. But Herald of Anguish seems like it's in kind of a Lyra spot to me. Explain. It's just like this this five five stopper that, like, if you get to untap with it, you probably win the game. And if red decks are weak to Herald of Anguish, or if they're weak to Lyra, they're probably weak to Herald also.
1: Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, Herald is a card that I experimented with a lot in like Mardu vehicles ish style decks because I mean, exactly for that reason, it does a lot to brick wall a lot of the format and the. The discard effect is is pretty problematic for a lot of decks to deal with. Ultimately, it proved to never quite be there. I don't know that the card has turned the corner here. Uh, I do think the Antiquities War is an incredibly powerful card that deserves to find a home. This doesn't strike me as the the most optimal home, though, for it.
0: No, I, I mean, I basically agree with that. I I don't know what an Antiquities War deck looks like, but it's probably not... Uh, also playing with Karn, Tezzeret, Herald, Maverick, Opterus, Zahid. It just seems like way too many win conditions.
1: Right. It doesn't have to be as as fractured as all that. You can you can push a little bit harder on the Antiquities War, I
0: think. Yeah. Next deck, Mono Green Beatdown. This one actually has Lanor Elves. Good job. Good choice. Steel Leaf Champion, not Paladin. My bad. Steelleaf Paladin, I think, is a plane shift card. But yeah, this, this looks pretty normal. This is about what we would expect with Dominaria, right? Right, I'm again a fine
1: level one deck. I expected this to be more the level one deck than maybe mono white, but I, I can see why white has instead taken up the mantle. Um, this card is, or excuse me, this deck is just powerful. It's fast; it wins the game quickly. If your removal spells are the improper removal spells, you know you're going to get beat up pretty hard. But I, I think the format is kind of already stepping to the right removal spells. Uh, again, I talked about Fumigate being a really strong card. Things like Settle the Wreckage this deck has some vulnerabilities and I think the format is already kind of pushing against those vulnerabilities a little bit.
0: Hmm. Now I'm kind of wondering about like heart of Kirin versus this blue white control deck that has seal and like fumigates. Like, yeah, you have cast out and stuff, but like maybe heart of Kieran is just insane.
1: Well, if blue white is taking up a large portion of the metagame, I can get on board with that assessment.
0: Or, I mean, even just, like, white decks with Seal Away in general. Like, mm-hmm. if if Seal Away supplants Fatal Push as the cheap removal spell, then Heart could actually see a resurgence.
1: Yeah, Cast Down as well is a, a card that is also not effective against Hard of Kieran. So we're talking about those two removal spells should come to prominence. Well, here's yeah. a nice card to punish that.
0: Word. Uh, next deck is pretty normal-looking SRAM deck with uh, some history of Banalia's as an update and Dauntless Bodyguard. Dauntless Bodyguard seems like a good add. You've,
1: you've played this archetype much more than I have. What do you think about including Dauntless Bodyguard? Uh, this is
0: more of like an all-in list than the ones that I was playing. Like this is Spellpierce, low land count, no token backup plan or anything really. Mm-hmm. And Dauntless Bodyguard seems good in theory, but like th- the wording is so awkward. Like the fact that you have to like play this after your SRAM. After. Yeah. It, it just seems like this, this. Okay, fine. Like this is a card you're going to play on turn one. But if it happens where you draw this thing on turn four, then cool. But like, you're never going to hold it to try and protect your thing. Even in an archetype
1: like this, which benefits so much. I mean, if Saram is on the table and unkillable, things spiral out of control very quickly for this deck. He's there mostly as a lightning rod, but where he does survive, you know, you tend to run away with games. I, I think that's fair to say. So in that style of deck, you don't think Dauntless Bodyguard is pushed a little bit further.
0: Well, it just I don't know, man. Like, say you don't play it on turn one, and, and then you're trying to set up for like protect my SRAM on three, assuming they tap out. Like, mm-hmm. it's just too much. I mean, if if you had access to Mox Amber in a list like this, then I could see holding it if it meant that you could just do this on turn two or like do this for three mana and still have a mana open for spell Pierce or whatever. It just it seems like too much. Okay, but I I have. Been trying to build like blue white and red white versions of this deck with Mox Amber, and there's just there's not enough, really, not enough legendaries.
1: Yeah, I haven't had much success finding the proper home for Mox Amber either. It'll happen, I think. Some deck at some point will exploit the card, but the support may actually not be there yet. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, the Pro Tour is going to be super interesting because there's there's almost always a bunch of things where people are like, "Oh, that's not good. It didn't show up on Magic Online," and then. There it you is. Know, sure, yeah, sure enough. like it's at, it's at the Pro Tour and just crushing it, so we'll see. Yep. Uh, next list, Blue Black Control. Actually showing a lot of restraint here. One cast down, three Syncopate in the main deck. That's it. As new stuff. Otherwise, pretty normal. Yeah. I mean, if this deck
1: wasn't relying on Bontu's Last Reckoning for its sweeper, you could get me to say things look pretty good for it right now. I just think it needs an efficient sweeper, and that's why I'm I'm more inclined to play the white control decks than black at this point. And it's been a while since I would say that, but that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, same. And uh Scarab God does not strike me as particularly good, nor does Bontu's Last Reckoning or Vraska's Contempt, so I'm in the same boat as you. Yep. Next deck is Weird. This yes. is oh this this is Todd Stevens' deck. So this is uh Sultai Karn. And the the green is for Vraska, but it has contraband kingpin, skittering surveyor, which is the new Pilgrim's Eye four Car and two Vraska, Renegade Map, Treasure Map, which I think is just going to be fairly stock in every like Car and mid range deck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know, twenty three land with four Renegade Map. There you go.
1: Yeah, closer to the numbers I'm comfortable with. Let me tell you what my problem is with this deck. So it's playing all these cards kind of. What I look at is in furtherance of the Karn package, like they're designed to make the Karns good. We talked a lot about how if Karn's going to be an, a dominant card in the format, you need to get value out of the minus two, making the artifact creature. And it seems like cards like Skittering, Surveyor, and even to some extent, something like Contraband and Kingpin are included to that purpose. And certainly things like Treasure Map and Renegade Map are included to that purpose. But... At some point, it's just like you're playing very suboptimal cards. You know, I I don't think Skittering Surveyor is going to see a huge amount of play in standard. I could be wrong. You know, effects like this, Pilgrim's Eye have been good before. But, you know, without the flying and a one-two body being pretty irrelevant, I don't see quite the same success rate for Skittering Surveyor here. I guess I'm just not clear on, like, what plans this deck is executing particularly well because it's not a good beatdown deck it doesn't seem like that great of a control deck you know and the synergies inherent in this deck aren't particularly pushed so if this deck is great it's because karn is just off the charts busted and while i do think karn is the best card in the set very very good when i say off the charts busted i'm talking like stoneforge mystic or jason standard or you know right. something, and, something and more.
0: Karn is not there right i i agree uh i mean you get to sideboard some Karnish sirens, i guess you do I, I i don't get it yeah this this <laughs> deck doesn't make any sense to me but okay whatever uh next list is blue white approach with some seal aways i'm not sure actually how i feel about approach versus gear hulk in these decks i guess i would just say like
1: if you are making the determination that gear hulk is not where you want to be just play Teferi. You don't have to do this. You can you can you can just rely on your planeswalker, which is insanely good, you know, and then win the game through whatever side method you want to use. You'll you'll get there eventually, I promise. I don't know. This this is again not doing it for me. Approach is a problematic archetype in my eyes. It tricks you into thinking it's good many, many times, and it almost never has been because it's so vulnerable in post-board games. Like just play the good deck play the Hulks, play the Teferis, and I think you'll be rewarded a lot more.
0: Word. No Lyra's in the sideboard. Definite mistake.
1: Agreed. You can't be playing Regal Carousel. I mean, I'm assuming this is like a card availability issue at this point.
0: Right. Yep. Uh, next deck, Blue Red Wizards by Jim Davis featuring Riddle Form.
1: I'm way more excited about the inclusion of one of my all-time favorite limited cards, Spellweaver Eternal. I certainly did not realize that card was a wizard. It was an absolute house in its draft format.
0: It does have three creature types, so... Yeah,
1: it's got to have wizard on there, right? (laughs) Cool find. You know, in this shell, this card's pretty powerful. I don't know if I'm looking to make any proclamations about how good this deck is. It's interesting. It's a very Jim davis type deck. I like decks like this when they're good. I'm really into playing this style of Magic, but I don't know where I'm ranking this one yet. I need some more time with the archetype.
0: Uh, three Adelies makes me very sad. Because you want four or you just don't think it's good enough? Oh, because I want four. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: that would be my take as well. It seems like this deck kind of kicks into overdrive when you're maxing uh, maxing out with Adelies in play.
0: Yeah. I also had like Spellweaver Eternal as one of just my favorite cards in that limited format. So,
1: the blue red deck in that format was so so good for so long.
0: Yeah, I love I love drafting 14 land decks all yeah, the time. Same. I feel like there there's going to be a non-zero amount of times where I get to do that in Dominaria Limited. So,
1: one of the complaints I don't want to I don't want to go too deep into Dominaria Limited. Mm. One of the complaints I've seen about Dominaria is people are evaluating red as extremely weak. And then I've seen kind of the second thread going on that no red isn't weak, but it's actually the grindy color. It's not supposed to be aggressive. Do you agree with that? Or are your 14 lands decks decks likely to be red in the format?
0: Well, I just want to draft as many like lava runners and warlords furies as possible. Like I I agree that they have like the six mana Scrivener, the four mana four, three that lets you rummage a card. Uh, You know, there's some stuff like that, but those are, those are not the red cards I would be selecting. Hmm.
1: so you think it's it can support both archetypes successfully
0: yeah probably i mean i i think the the happy place is not like super grindy or whatever it's just like the the medium amount of stuff where it's just like maybe you have like one scrivener or one rummage guy and you play like a normal 17 land deck and like you actually just have some card advantage in your red deck which is cool
1: yeah I will say that throughout the history of limited, there's very few formats where if you try hard enough, you can't find the 14 or 15 land beatdown deck. It's weird. Sometimes it's like, I've seen it be mono white before. It's usually red in, in, in some form, but it's almost always out there. If you figure out the right combination of cards.
0: Yep. Agreed. Uh, next deck, green, red, not dinos, not land or elves.
1: Yeah, let's just skip. I, I'm not dealing with any decks that don't have a or of war
0: elves that look like this. So, but turn three, thrashing Brontodon is just completely fine, right? No, it is. It is not. I'm sorry. Wow, there's actually only six two drops in this deck. I don't get it. I I, I can't even. I can't even begin to get it. Twenty four land two, two Carnage Tyrant, man. Ooh, next deck. This is this is one that uh, the uh, Discord was a little bit excited about. This is blue white mid range. Four Karn, four Teferi, three Oath of Teferi, wow. four History of Benalia, three Knight of Grace, one Lyra, 24 land, uh, some counterspells, a couple of settled wreckages, seal away, cast out. So yeah, kind of like blue-white controlly, but also just trying to get their beatdown on with like Knight of Grace, History of Benalia, and then finishing up with some Planeswalkers.
1: Yeah, weird, weird inclusion of Knight of Grace. That's the card that didn't make sense to me. I guess it's in all in an effort to push your history of banalias a little bit further. I don't know that it's worth it. It doesn't feel like it to me. I probably would just rather see, you know, maybe another Lyra and I don't know. I I don't know what the right card in that slot is. But Knight of Grace strikes me as weird. The combination of though of Oath of Teferi, Karn Teferi, very interesting stuff. Obviously, you're talking huge mana investments here, but you know. If you're pushing Oath of Teferi where it's like a card on its face, the blink effect is is worth something to you and worth, you know, a significant amount, then I can see a strategy like this being very successful. Um here the only thing you're really blinking is like the history of Benalia. So maybe that needs to be pushed a little further. Although you can possibly reset a seal away. Um that's another use for the the flicker effect. Or cast out, but you can also just like
0: blink your Planeswalker to effectively use it three times in one turn, right? Right. Right. That works as well. So
1: I don't know. I had a friend who told me he thought Oath of Teferi was just like a very good card and I wasn't quite buying it, but you think about some of the board states this deck is going to achieve and I don't know, maybe you're getting me on board. It seems pretty vulnerable, but as a surprise strategy, it might have some merit. Word.
0: I mean, like what if you're like Teferi minus Oath of Teferi, you get to like draw a card then like oust another one of their permanents or car you just like tick up tick up tick up you know sounds pretty good yeah man it's it's kind of like happy christmas land or whatever magical christmas land that place but whatever next deck is black green constrictor basically what you were talking about uh for chupacabras for adventurous impulse
1: yeah I, I like it. I mean, this is the way I would build this deck right now. Do I, Am I saying this deck is like the place to be? I don't know that I'm going that far. But if this strategy is what you want to be doing, something like this is, is probably the way to do it.
0: Also, hey, War Elves.
1: He got it right. Nice job.
0: Figured it out. Next is another white deck. This is like old school Mardu vehicles curving all the way from Toolcraft Exemplar up to Lyra Dawnbringer. Uh, also... The only deck, I believe, to feature Weatherlight, and this one has four copies. What's your take on the Weatherlight? Because
1: I'm not a believer in this card for the most part. I like the body size. I think four or five is very good. But obviously, this deck is designed to push the Weatherlight. It's kind of the the trademark card here. And I'm not entirely on board.
0: Yeah. uh, It is weird to have Weatherlight and Karn be in the same set and the same mana cost. Right, they just they just like sit on top of each other. no, they kind of do you know so, do. so in this deck, like, what if you just took out the weather lights for cards? Is that that bad?
1: No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. that seems fine to me.
0: yeah, I don't think it's that bad either. And then you don't have to play things like Glorybound initiate,
1: right, right. You get to play more real cards. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, not a believer in the weatherlight. I don't think I'd pick this deck up.
0: Uh, Memorial to folly is a, a card in this list, which, can return your Lyra or Ballista, I suppose. I think Memorial's pretty good. I think that's a fine inclusion. I just think it's weird in this deck because your creatures aren't super high value. Well, it doesn't get much more high value than Lyra, I I would argue. Sure, but that's a nine mana investment to regrow your five five that's supposed to KO them. Fair enough, fair enough. That's a a huge
1: uh, time and mana investment.
0: Uh, Moving on. Uh, Blue-red control, Metallurgic Summonings.
1: So if this deck is good, it's probably on the basis of Sweltering Suns, right? Like this is this is the card that this deck gets that other decks don't have access to. It seems to line up pretty well with the format right now. Not enough to make me want to play this deck, but I do think that some deck is going to be able to maximize Sweltering Suns and get some points from it.
0: Mysteriously, this list has four Highland Lakes and no Sulphur Falls, but...
1: Uh, I think it's just strictly correct to have the four Highland Lakes. <laughs> Oh really? No,
0: definitely not. <laughs> not at all. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's that's an interesting take. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this. Uh, when I was trying to build blue red control, it was always like, oh man, I need so many commits because you just don't have that many answers to planeswalkers. But metallurgic summonings is kind of an answer to planeswalkers where you just eventually swarm them. Hopefully, it can be. It can be. You
1: you have to you have to get on board fairly quickly. You know, there's there's slower cards out there, but there's also much faster ones. I don't know. I don't want to invest too much time in this. I'm, I'm not going to be picking up this deck. I don't think anyone else should. But Sweltering Suns is the card worth noting here.
0: Word. Uh, next deck. Green. Splashing a little bit of red for some Registor Alphas, Struggles, and Flings. Fling. Wow. Also, I haven't seen Fling in a while. Also has Lana Elves. I like Fling as
1: a card. I don't know that <laughs> I like it here. But I get what's going on. You you need to wrap up the game a little bit quicker. There's a lot of big bodies sitting around in this deck. Uh, way to crank out a little bit more damage. I don't think it's pushing this deck in any new angles. It, it's not, you know, a level up type card for the archetype. But at least we got his Llanowar Elves in this list. Probably strictly worse than the green list, I think. That's going to be my take on this one.
0: Tight. Next deck is stock as hell, blue black mid range.
1: I already made fun of misplaced ginger when I did first strike this week for playing this deck. Nice. I was like, "What? Okay, I once could you just syncopate. not afford new cards? That's what's going on here." But uh, yeah, nothing to say here. I, I don't think this deck was particularly good in old standard. Um, it's probably still not particularly good right now. Um, syncopate didn't didn't do anything to level up this archetype.
0: Correct. Next deck is kind of like a big red deck splashing. Uh, A bunch of Cast Out, Thopter Arrest, Ixalan Binding type effects.
1: Um, So this just got a mana upgrade, right? That's all we're dealing with here.
0: Uh, Clifftop Retreat, and that is it. Cool. Yep, that's not what this deck was missing. Eh, I don't know. Four Glorybringer, four Phoenix. You have actual ways to answer Lyra. I mean, maybe this sort of Shell is better than just normal Mono Red, but... Oh uh, yeah, no Chain Whirlers, weird. I guess there are five lands that don't cast it, but that still leaves 20. I don't know.
1: I Yeah, if I were to play this deck, I mean, I'm I'm not a believer in what we have here, but
0: Chain Whirlers seems much better to me than PNLR in this deck. Word. I don't, I don't, I hate the Earthshaker Kenros in this deck, too. Okay. Next deck is pretty normal, blue-red, God Pharaoh's Gift. No Skirk Prospector,
1: the Nerve. Yeah, Skirk Props especially seems good in these, these lists. They should probably be included in most cases. I do like the Glint Nest Cranes. I'll say that. I think that's a nice card for the list. I hate the Cranes. Really? I like the War
0: kite Marauders.
1: Interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people I've talked to about the deck seem to think that Cranes are a pretty large upgrade. You know, you could see War kite, Marauder being around in the time of the huge five mana creatures floating around everywhere. But... Things feel a little bit smaller right now. It's about going wide, and Glinton S. Crane does a good job playing both ways and enabling you to speed up your access to your combo.
0: That's true. That's true. I I would just prefer to have like a better backup plan, I guess, than trying to all in combo them.
1: Okay, so like, like you said, you like the red beatdown version.
0: So, well, you know, maybe even even, even playing just like two or three copies of Trophy Mage, like I have found that that is enough consistency for me. Okay. But my my sample size is pretty limited. Got it. Next deck is Blue-White, and I hate it. This is the most offensive list to me on this entire thing because this is a quote-unquote Flash deck, but you just take some cards with Flash on them and put them in your deck. That doesn't mean that this is as good as Jeskai Flash or White-Blue Flash. This just means that you're playing a bunch of crappy cards with Flash. There's a lot of bad
1: cards in this list i, I don't i don't believe that raf capuchin is all that great as we already talked about i don't believe that merfolk trickster is all that great then there's four Zolfirin void in this list and like i like that card in the abstract but is the mana really that good in this deck that you can get away with four zolfarin void like you you do have four history of benelia you know you're asking for blue white two on turn four there's there's Settler the wreckage uh gideon of the trials so there there's five white two drops or five white three drops
0: 13 sources of blue for
1: four merfolk tricksters yeah that's that's not gonna work this is this is not a good deck pass on this
0: one uh i mean there are four lyras there are three teferis four history banalias this is dominaria mythics deck which I, All right. I, know he, I he
1: added the best cards and and that led to some results i think
0: yeah, and then the sideboard has three Urza's Ruinous Blast, which I do think is a good card. Um, hmm, that's pretty nice here. That's a nice inclusion. Going going from like zero base into like Raf Urza's Ruinous Blast is kind of cool. Yeah, I could see that. But that's it. Uh, Mono red, four Chain Warblers, twenty three Mountain, one Scavenger Ground, uh, a couple Siege Gangs in the sideboard. Nothing too crazy.
1: What do you think about Siege Gang versus the other options we usually see in this this kind of big slot?
0: Siege Gang is much better if you have vehicles, but uh, against a lot of the decks where you would want to transform and potentially go bigger, I think Bringer is much stronger, especially if you're talking about like mirror matches where they just have Goblin Chain Whirler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really get it. I think it's good to try, but for the most part, I think Siege Gang is pretty bad.
1: Okay. I will take your word for it because I'm not picking up mono red anytime soon.
0: Well, in the context of like red, black, right? Where if you want to play like the heart of Kirins and harvesters, I could see the siege gang commander over glory bringer.
1: Okay. That makes sense. You're able to get some immediate value in terms of the sacrifice ability while still crewing your guys.
0: And then that's, that's probably the type of card that I would want to Memorial to folly.
1: Yep. That makes sense.
0: And last deck, Bant ramp
1: yeah i mean no new cards right there there's nothing here nope. that's changed
0: no new cards for approach of the second son i'm off it
1: yep nope. the deck wasn't good still not good don't do it
0: we covered everything is there any closing thoughts before we go to the question because obviously we're doing the question
1: always doing the question uh not really i mean like i said i i have identified level one as mono white that'd be my first focus i think the control decks specifically blue-white might be your level two. Again, you could use level zero, level one, whatever distinction you want. But step one, white aggressive deck. Step two, control seems to be the way to answer those. Um, where do things go from here? That's kind of up to us to figure out. I, I do believe that when you're facing you know rat decks, we talked about, well, maybe it's time for Heart of Kieran to make a return. And, and aggressive-based Karn decks might be able to do both things. They might be able to transform into plans that can answer you know, the mono white decks post board fumigate seems like it's a good sideboard plan. Again, I know that's something you typically don't like out of aggressive vehicles decks, but having access to Karn, which is the classic two way planeswalker makes plans like that a lot better in my eyes. So definitely agree. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. But if you asked me for like like what deck I would work on this week to get ahead of what I see as level one and level two, it would be a
0: Karn based beatdown deck. I'm looking at unlicensed disintegration goblin chain whirler. I feel like that kind of covers the the issues. Okay. It's like yeah, it's like the the white cards with like the token stuff and the Lyras. And I think red slightly aggressive uh with those cards is in a good spot and that has basically been the deck that I've had the most success with on Magic Online in the queues from what I've been playing.
1: I'll just point out there's no reason we can't be talking about the same thing. I mean, I, I mentioned yeah. Fumigate, but it could also be Sweltering Suns, and it can be you know a Karn-based beatdown deck with access to Sweltering Suns post-board if you determine that's good. Sure. So yeah, it sounds like you know we're, we're kind of thinking along the same lines, even if our approach might not be exactly the same.
0: Yeah, I just like Chain Whirler more than the Sweepers, I guess. But I, I definitely think Disintegration or some sort of like Destroy Target Lyra card is good.
1: Yep, I'm with you.
0: Maybe maybe it's playing struggle. I don't know. Whatever.
1: Hopefully things aren't that much of a struggle for me that that's what I have to turn to. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Whatever is
0: necessary. Whatever, whatever is necessary. All right. Question.
1: Okay. I like this question from Jacob Birch. It's kind of a meta question, but that's fine. Uh, Jacob mentions that we've just passed the one-year anniversary of the Patreon Discord and overall the budding game community. And he asks us, what do you hope to do in the future to further the community you fostered and developed? And what are you most proud of so far?
0: Oh, damn. I am most proud of the Discord by far. I have very long wanted there to be just like some ongoing chat room that I could like pop in and out of, you know? But it, just, it seemed like everything eventually died. This is like a place where I can go and just be like, here's my deck list, any thoughts? And then like people will tell me like what I did wrong, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just incredible. And I'm sure that like other people feel the exact same way. So uh, especially for like everyone who has just participated, like, thank you so much. I'm just very, very happy that that exists. As for the future, I don't know, man. What, what's your future plan? I think the sky is the limit for us. I think there's
1: all kinds of stuff we can do. You know, having some geographical proximity, like we talked about, opens up some options. You know, I've mentioned in the past, I want to take a direct role in making people better Magic players. I like to think we're already helping to do that as it stands, but uh, a more hands-on approach, I I think that would be something that would really give back a lot to the community. And as far as what I'm most proud of so far, uh, your answer is great, but I want to be a little bit more specific. My answer is still the Discord. But I also want to take a second to mention that when you get a lot of people in an online environment, a lot of times things can lead to, you know, there's personality conflicts, there's clashes, there's unpleasantness, just general rudeness that you see, you know, throughout the internet. This community is not like that. The Discord is incredibly respectful of everyone involved. There's always good conversation. Um, There's a sense of inclusiveness that if it wasn't there, I would do everything to make sure that the culture of the discord changed, but honestly the participants have done our job for us. Like it's just yeah. a really great group of people and there's almost no need for moderation whatsoever. Cause everyone is just like welcoming and, and really committed to the same thing that you and I are. And that's having a great community for everyone to talk about magic in.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that is something that maybe I have taken for granted where I, I definitely noticed it right where it's like, Oh man, I haven't had to like ban anyone right? right. It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen.
1: No, it does not. <laughs> not on in the internet. The internet's the meanest place on the planet, as I often say. And uh, that's not true of our, our Discord. It's really a special place, I think.
0: Cool. Well, I, I think I'm going to walk away from this having a, an even bigger appreciation. So that's good.
1: Good. I'm glad I could show you the way.
0: Yeah, that's that's rad. But yeah, as far as future plans, man, we got to figure that out, actually.
1: We do. We do but there's there's still time to do that and uh you know if you guys have something you want to see jerry and i do in the future throw it out there i I can't promise we'll do it all but i always like to hear ideas and and you know i think we've been successful at growing our community by listening to our community and engaging our community and we're certainly gonna keep doing that going forward so you know if there's something you want to see us doing holler at us let us know
0: yeah definitely I, I am all about that. And even even if we don't go with your suggestion, like, you know, it's it's still gonna help us. It's gonna help us figure out what people want and kind of like what path to pursue and everything. So please right. let us know. Right. All right, man. Uh dude, it's it's the end of April. I'm gonna see you in July. No, you're you're gonna see me before July. Oh really? I thought you were moving
1: in July. Well, we have a team tournament coming up. Did you already forget about the no, fact? No,
0: no, no, no. Okay. I didn't mean like see you for the first time. I just mean like see you on the regular okay. and then like we're going to make some cool stuff happen. That's yes. all I wanted to say. That and then is we're going to play in between the two. We're going to play in this stupid team tournament. We'll see what happens. We're going to have fun.
1: We're going to win this tournament because I need people who are better than me to carry me to the pro tour. And that's your job, sir.
0: Word. Uh, I don't think we're going to win, but you know.
1: okay way to be optimistic right off the bat we'll probably win some games all right uh, i'll take that whatever that's fine that's game